Again, it is always a highlight of our church to have missionary families come and join us uh, to present their ministry, their burden, their call, and uh, just to share with us how the Lord is leading them. And uh, gives us an opportunity to, uh, number one, pray with them, but also uh, pray about partnering together with them, strive together with them for the sake of the gospel. And so in services like this, what we're asking the Holy Spirit to do is to give us, too, a connection to what God is wanting to do in Ivory Coast so that we could have a possible part in getting the gospel to those people. And so tonight we're asking the Lord to really open our hearts to the need there. As Brother Pate comes here in just a moment and presents and uh, introduces the presentation, uh, Josh and Katie uh, are with us tonight, and they have Allison and Madeline with us as well. And uh, they graduated from Ambassador Baptist College just in the past couple years, right? I believe you guys went to school uh, about the same time that Arthur and Lauren were there at Ambassador and, and uh, now getting ready not too long down the road here this year, hopefully to be starting language school. And so they're just finishing up their deputation, and I'm so glad that they could be here tonight. Ivory Coast has a special place in my heart, too, with it being so close to Niger there. West Africa, you got uh, Ivory Coast, Ghana, Burkina Faso, Niger, Benin, all those places right there. There's a great need uh, for gospel preaching uh, churches to be planted, and so thankful that God is leading them there. So, Brother uh, Josh, you come and introduce your family and your presentation, and it is a blessing to have you here tonight, Brother. Thank you, Brother. All right, well, good evening. As Pastor mentioned, my name is Josh Pate. You can see my family there on the screen, my wife Katie, and our two children, very thankful for them and thankful for how God has uh, led us into the ministry. Thankful for God's leading, not just for our future, but, but also in our past to, to lead us to this point. Uh, I want to thank Pastor for the opportunity to be here. He was very gracious with me to uh, reschedule, I think, twice. I don't think I've ever rescheduled with, uh, so I don't think I've ever rescheduled with someone except for your pastor. And then I happened to do that twice with your pastor and he was uh, very kind to let me do that. And so I just want to thank him for, for being a gracious pastor and, and uh, allowing us to come and working it exactly with our schedule, how, how it would be best for us. So, uh, we are definitely been looking forward to the opportunity to be here and, and obviously also to see Arthur and Lauren and uh, be able to get reconnected with them since we did go to school with them. And uh, our sending church is Crossroads Baptist Church in Columbus, North Carolina. It's exactly two hours and 15 minutes from here. We just tested that this afternoon. And uh, Arthur went to school there and also Lauren, excuse me, uh, went to church there. Arthur and Lauren went to church there when, when they were in school. And so we got to be able to uh, attend the same church and also attend the same school. And so that was a, a blessing. Uh, but I just want to thank you for allowing us to be here. We've already met several of you prior to the service. And please feel free to... Stop by our table on your way out the door or maybe in between getting some, some barbecue or something, but stop by the table. And there's a few things to look to draw your attention to on the table. Uh, first of all, there's a bowl of mints. So what could go wrong there? Those are some special mints. And uh, I call them my COVID mints uh, because if you're uh, used to wearing a mask going into different places, you know how much you need a mint. And so those are for you. And so you can grab one of those on your way out the door. And then also there's a stack of prayer cards. And uh, feel free to grab one of those or more of those. We, we uh, just ordered more. And so that's uh, there for the taking. Feel free to grab one of those that has our contact information on there. And uh, if perchance we don't get your question answered this evening, then feel free to send me a text or an email. We'd love to be able to connect with you outside the service and answer whatever question you may have about missions or West Africa specifically. And then also there's a clipboard there, and you can jot your email address down if you're interested in receiving our bi-monthly prayer, prayer letters. And so that is just simply a prayer reminder for you that will drop in your inbox every other month. It's, I'm not going to be selling your email address, and uh, we're, we're not going to misuse that in any way. And I'm not, not even going to be soliciting you for funds. I'm just going to be soliciting you for prayers. And so if you're interested in that, you can jot your email address down. But just wanted to draw your attention to that. So that's on the table there uh, on your way out the door. But this time, let's go ahead and, and play this video. It's about a six-minute video, and it kind of just introduces the Ivory Coast as a, a mission field. And then after that, I'll come up and just explain a little bit about uh, our goals for the ministry uh, once we arrive there. The Ivory Coast is home to 24 million people. 
and borders the Atlantic Ocean on the western coast of Africa. Although there are several major cities in the Ivory Coast, such as Yamasukro or Abidjan, there are countless small villages scattered throughout the country that are separated both ethnically and geographically from each other and separated spiritually from true life in Jesus Christ. Imagine living in such a village in the Ivory Coast. Because the Ivory Coast is only 300 miles from the equator, you would experience constant hot, humid, and tropical weather. Also, likely everyone in your village would be struggling to make ends meet because of the third world setting, and also because of having experienced two national civil wars in the past 20 years. Multiple times a day, you would also hear the Muslim call to prayer. You would see Catholics gathering for mass weekly. You would see animists attempting to worship false gods. And you would even see people trying to mix a form of Christianity with their animistic practices. Sadly, all of these people are living in hopelessness and in despair because they are separated from the true spiritual life in Jesus Christ. There are countless villages, just like this one, scattered throughout the country of the Ivory Coast. Specifically, around a town called Bejerville, just east of Abidjan, there are 12 villages. Each of these villages has access to Islam, Catholicism, animism, and other false religions. But none of these villages has a gospel preaching church. My name is Josh Pate, and God has called me, my wife Katie, along with our daughter Allison, to be church planting missionaries in the Ivory Coast of West Africa. In 2017, I had the privilege of serving a nine-week internship with veteran VIMI missionary Bob Mack. It was while I was on this internship that God burdened my heart for the opportunity of working within those 12 villages around the town of Bejerville to seek to plant gospel preaching churches there. Within one village, the village of Anna, there's already a small nucleus of believers that God has banded together. And it is our desire for this small nucleus of believers to be the first church plant in the group of the 12 villages surrounding the town of Bejerville. In the spring of 2019, Katie and I traveled to the Ivory Coast for a 10-day survey trip where God confirmed in our hearts that he indeed was calling us to the Ivory Coast to be church planting missionaries. Katie and I are excited to serve the Lord together overseas. God has specifically used 2 Corinthians 4-5 to confirm both our call to missions and to the Ivory Coast, where it says, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. We will be working in the same general vicinity as BIMI missionaries Bob and Becky Mack and Christine McLaughlin, yet we will still be working independently as we endeavor to plant churches in the villages surrounding the town of Bejerville. Christine is a licensed nurse practitioner, and God has greatly used her medical ministry to open doors and soften hearts in the villages surrounding Bejerville. Truly, the medical ministry is access for a gospel preaching church to be planted in the villages. We are sent out of Crossroads Baptist Church in Columbus, North Carolina, where we served on staff with Pastor Nathan Diedrich for a year and a half. And we are assisted by Baptist International Missions Incorporated, located in Chattanooga, Tennessee. As soon as our deputation ministry and French language school are completed, we will be moving our family to the Ivory Coast of West Africa. Katie and I would be grateful if you would partner with us in prayer as we seek to follow the Lord's leading in our first term in the Ivory Coast. Please pray with us as we learn the culture and the language, as we gain valuable ministry experience from veteran missionaries, as we help in the ongoing ministries in the villages and also seek to advance new ministries. And also please pray with us as we take steps to plant the first church in the village of Anna. We recognize the value of prayer, and we are grateful as you hold the ropes for us so that we can have an effective and long-term ministry in the Ivory Coast. We claim the powerful promise of Christ from Matthew 16:18, where he said, I will build my church, 
and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We look forward to the day when we can see local, independent Baptist, gospel-preaching churches scattered throughout the Ivory Coast and previously unreached villages. We go forward simply with this desire to preach Christ and plant churches in unreached villages in the Ivory Coast of West Africa. I think it'd be helpful to uh, kind of walk through what our timeline will be uh, between now and arriving there in the Ivory Coast. Uh, as Pastor mentioned, we are nearing the end of deputation. And in fact, that video was made towards the beginning of deputation, hence the reason why there was only one child in the video. But we obviously have two children now. Uh, and so that's at the beginning of deputation. But we're nearing the end of our uh, deputation travels. I'm very thankful for how God has, has brought in our support thus far. And so because of that, we're making plans this year to go ahead and enroll in a French language school. The Ivory Coast is a French-speaking nation. In fact, if you look on the screen there, uh, underneath the Ivory Coast, it says Côte d'Ivoire. And so that is the French name for the Ivory Coast, which literally just means Coast of Ivory. And uh, that's really the official name uh, for the Ivory Coast, and they prefer it to be called that. Uh, but I just think the Ivory Coast is a whole lot easier to say in English, so we've kind of been sticking with that. But kind of put both on our materials so people uh, can see both names there. And so I, I say all that to say it is a French-speaking nation, uh, former French colony there. And uh, just really interesting to see how, uh, the, the, even though there's other ethnic languages, the French language is the, uh, the main trade language. And so all the ethnic groups speak that same language. They all speak French. And so we as missionaries have the advantage there, because if we can learn French, then we can communicate with everyone in the country. And other missionaries have, have definitely found that to be true. Uh, so our next step is French language school. And uh, God has definitely led us to enroll in a French language school in uh, Sherbrooke, Quebec, in Canada. And so we'll be going there in August and uh, making plans right now over the next few months uh, to uh, pack up all of our stuff, you know, go through our belongings and, and uh, those kinds of things. I'll be ordained uh, this summer and then also um, obviously finishing out deputation meetings. And so those are several things we're kind of working on right now in the, the inter, uh, interlude time and also being able to just help out at our sending church and spend some, some last few months reconnecting with them uh, before we launch out and head off to language school. So the next step is language school. We leave in, in August to, to go there, and that is a, uh, about a 10- or 11-month program. And so we'll be in Canada for that, uh, that duration of time. July of 2023, we'll finish that uh, language school program. And supposedly we're supposed to graduate with an eighth grade level in French. So that will be humiliating, you know, just to realize, oh, my, we're going to have to uh, relearn a whole lot of things that, that we thought we knew in English. And so we're going to uh, graduate in July 2023 with that, that French language school program. And uh, quickly come back to the States for a, uh, a kind of a launching, commissioning service at our sending church. And then obviously launch from there to the Ivory Coast. So we're looking at about a year and a half out from arriving in the Ivory Coast. Um, but a bulk of that time is going to be uh, the French language school program. And so that really is the start of our first term, uh, really on, on paper for insurance purposes and things like that. So just kind of wanted to walk you through that timeline so you can see that of, of where we're at as far as finishing out deputation and, and when we'll actually be arriving there in the Ivory Coast. So that's kind of what we're doing right now, but I want to talk a little bit about some initial plans once we land in the Ivory Coast. So when we get off the plane, first things first, we'll get our family settled, you know, and be able to get a, get a home settled there and uh, try to make sure we at least know uh, where we're going for groceries and just the basic things like that. That's going to take a little bit more time than we might at first think, uh, because we're working in a completely different context, culturally, language, and everything. But then something we want to do right away is just start uh, immersing ourselves in the missionary's church there that he's already started. And just watch, how does he do church in a French culture? How does he do it in an African culture? Uh, and so we're, we're just going to immerse ourselves in that and watch how he does that. And then right after we do that, there's another national pastor that has started a church nearby. He's an older man. Uh, and he's been pastoring for many, many years, and we'd like to do the same thing. We'd like to attend his church and see how does a national pastor do church in this setting. And so we'll watch a missionary first and watch the national for a little bit. Both of those will probably 
be about a month at a time. Probably attend the missionaries' church and attend the national pastors' church for about a month apiece. And then, as the video mentioned, there are 12 villages that are just ripe as far as a harvest field, ready for a church plant. And uh, when, I, when I was there in the Ivory Coast in 2017, and when Katie and I returned in 2019, God was burdening our hearts specifically about targeting those villages for church planting. And so, as soon as we can, as soon as we feel like we have our feet uh, down uh, solid and we at least know what we're doing and how to get from point A to point B, uh, then we're going to try to launch into starting some weekly Bible studies in those villages. And so these are kind of our initial plan. And really, if you see on the video, uh, the, the village of Anna uh, already has a small nucleus of believers. Since this video was made, that group of believers has, has only grown. So the missionaries' church has weekly evangelism out to these villages, uh, but there's no church plant out in these villages. And so because of that, they've been able to see people saved, but there's just no organized church for these people. So right now they're having to take public transportation and come into the city every week to be able to go to church. But we'd love to be able to plant a church in their village. So it's been exciting to see that group of believers grow. And it's almost, in fact, it's over 20 people now that are, that are born-again believers. And that's not just children, uh, but this is men and women as well. And so it's exciting to see that group grow. And that's taking place before we even get there. So we're excited about being able to organize that group of people into a, a regular Bible study that could eventually form into an autonomous church. So that, that's one village. But there's 11 more that need church plants. And so we're excited about seeing those other church plants develop uh, throughout our first couple of terms in the Ivory Coast. And by terms, I'm speaking years. And so this is going to take a long process because church planting takes a long process. Uh, But we're excited about seeing how God can develop those church plants there. So once we get there, we want to learn as much as we can from the other missionaries. And that's going to be a continual process. We're going to obviously have to hone our French language and and, uh, be able to really develop it more for a West African French uh, because it's it's going to be a different style. It will be the same grammar and the same vocabulary, but it's definitely going to be a different style. If you're familiar with languages, even if we're going to England, we're going to have to adjust the way we pronounce different words or spell different words. Uh, and so be a similar uh, concept. So once we get to the Ivory Coast, we'll adjust a little bit, gain as much experience as we can from the veteran missionary and from that national pastor, and then begin to develop Bible studies and eventually church plants in that group of villages. Now, if you go to our website, it's pates2africa.com with a number two. Uh, under the tab that says vision, there's a map of those villages. So you can see these villages. All the names of the villages are listed there. And, and that way you see this is a real-life place. It's not just a place in Timbuktu, although that's a real place too. Um, but it, this is an actual place uh, where there are uh, souls that need to be saved and believers who need a church and who need, need a pastor. In fact, in those 12 villages alone, there's over 25,000 people that live there. And so we're excited about seeing what God can do through our ministry as we endeavor to uh, plant churches there. Now, Pastor asked me to make mention of something else, and I enjoy talking about this, and that is our, our long-term goals. Uh, this, can I, there we go. That's great. Let's turn that mic on. This is a little bit unique. I've never done this before, uh, but this is a map of the Ivory Coast. And obviously, you can't see it very well from there, but I think it would be helpful for us to, to just take a look at the map here. This is just a, a regular Michelin roadmap of the Ivory Coast that I ordered off of Amazon. And I had one of the missionaries while I was there uh, just write out all the different uh, church plants that we know of that are solid churches. And so there are roughly 40 churches that we know of uh, that are solid, independent Baptist, gospel-preaching churches there in the Ivory Coast. Now, like I said, you're not going to be able to see it from where you're sitting, but... As I've looked at this map, I've noticed that the vast majority of those church plants are all in the southern half of the country. And that makes sense. The main city is Abidjan. There's six million people that live there. That's the main airport. You fly in there and you start a church near the airport. You know, just let's stay close. That's where people need to be saved. The vast majority of the people live there, so let's start churches there. But there's approximately, you know, 38 to 40 good churches in the southern half of the country. Well, there's only one good church that we know of in the northern half of the country. And that one is all the way up here on the border of Burkina Faso. 
And so when I look at this map, uh, I see a great need. And that need is in the northern half of the country. So obviously, there's a need everywhere. We get that. And we ourselves are starting in the southern half of the country because God's led us to do that. And I understand that. But eventually, this is, and I'm speaking long term here, eventually I would love to be able to uh, see a church planted or numerous churches planted in the northern half of the country. And so this is just speaking long term, 10, 20, 30 years down the road. You can pray with us that we would have God's wisdom to know how we can get up there and how we can endeavor to accomplish that. I'll mention one more very key aspect, and that is that the veteran missionary, Bob Mack, has already started a Bible college and a seminary uh, right, right with his church plant down there uh, near Abidjan. Well, because of that, we're going to have the opportunity to, to all have the opportunity to teach in that Bible college, to be able to have a part in training these national men uh, for the ministry. But what's exciting about that is we'll be able to work with them, and as they have a desire to go into other parts of the Ivory Coast and of West Africa, we can partner with them and be able to work together to possibly plant churches in some of these areas. So even if it's not me going myself, we might be able to uh, work together in training some of these national men to be able to go into some of these regions that, that really have no gospel influence at this point. So I say that because that's long term. I don't know how that's going to pan out. I would love to be able to see that, and uh, that would help me in planning, but that God doesn't work that way. He wants me to trust him one day at a time, and we've seen that in our past, and I'm glad God doesn't show us where we're going because we would get scared. Um, but otherwise, if we can just trust God one day at a time, then he'll show us and he'll provide for us. So I, I'm excited because uh, I think God has given us some, some clarity as to where to begin, and where to get some experience, and where there's a good need for church planting right at the beginning. Uh, but long term, uh, we're excited about seeing where God may, may lead. Um, I'll mention one more thing, and then we'll open it up for questions. Okay, so we're thinking about questions. If you have any, is that right, questions next? Okay, if you have anything uh, you'd like to ask. Uh, and that is, uh, I was meant to, talking to somebody before the service, and we are talking about uh, so many missionaries that used to be in the Ivory Coast. In fact, there were a couple of, of, of coups or s- civil wars in the Ivory Coast that, that caused some instability. And so because of that, a lot of missionaries left and went to other uh, French-speaking countries. Uh, some just went up to Burkina Faso, some went to France, some went to Canada, just different places uh, so that they could still minister as a missionary but be in a safer country. Well, throughout that time, 30 independent Baptist missionaries left the country and went to other countries. Well, I understand why. It's completely logical and understandable. But the sad thing is not many missionaries have replaced those who have left. Well, now the Ivory Coast has been stable going on 12 years now, and there really are still only six independent Baptist missionaries in the country as a whole. Uh, there's two of those that are, three of those that are nearing retirement. And so it's our desire that we see more missionaries come to the Ivory Coast. And it's been an encouragement to us on deputation. We've run across some of, some of those, uh, some with BIMI, some with uh, Baptist World Mission and a few other um, uh, agencies that are, that are heading to the Ivory Coast or praying about it. And so we're excited about that because I can see that the time is right for us to be able to punch through that open door while it's stable, while the government allows us in. And let's go plant as many churches as we, as we possibly can. And so I'm excited about seeing that, and you can pray with us about that, that we'd be able to see many, many more missionaries come in, really just to replace the ones that have left, and then to be able to go further and pioneer in new areas as well. So I think I've given you a a fire hydrant of information there, uh, but maybe there's some spots here and there that I, I did not touch on. Uh, there's a whole lot we could say. We could talk all night about the Ivory Coast, but if there's one particular area uh, that you have an interest in, maybe about our family, missions in general, the country, whatever it is, I want to hear what, what's on your heart, and maybe we can answer some of those questions. So feel free to ask away any questions you may have. Yes, sir. Right. Obviously, the language, as you mentioned, that's going to be a challenge. Probably the, the culture is going to be totally different than anything I've ever known. And then coupled with that is the, the different religions. Uh, so I mentioned on the video the primary religions are Islam and Catholicism. We're familiar with those a little bit. You know, We're trying to do as much study on Islam as we can. Uh, but 
the main religion is really animism. And so animism is the concept of spirit worship. And uh, we can talk about that a while, but it's a very mystical ancestor worship, witch doctors, all that really. When you think of, of uh, you know, African spooky religions, that's kind of what comes to mind. It would be animism. And so uh, when, I, when I think about animism, there's a whole lot there that I don't know about. And really, I don't want to know about it. Uh, the missionary there said he went to one animistic funeral one time because the, it was a relative of a church member. And uh, he said it was just a very dark setting. And he, he had never been in anything quite that dark, spiritually dark before. So I say that to say that's a, another world that I've never been exposed to. I mean, you can find those types of things in America, but they're not as prevalent. Okay, So there in West Africa, that is the primary religion. And then they couple Islam with their animism, or they couple Catholicism with their animism, and they, uh, they, have, they synergize those together. So it's really interesting. That's a whole other world for me. I've never really been exposed to animism. And so I think that's going to be new. We're going to be learning how do you deal with this, and how do we preach the gospel that we know so clearly, uh, and how do we convince them that this is the truth. So that's just something that comes to my mind. You know, religion, or culture, language, and all those three are really probably equally difficult things. Any other questions? Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, so it's, it's really a free government as far as allowing missionaries to come in. Uh, it's a slightly different. So they kind of have uh, modeled a lot of their government after France since they were a French colony. Um, but just for fun, I'm not sure exactly why, they have a president and a prime minister. And so they, they kind of work in, in two different roles there. Um, but that, that's kind of an interesting thing, primarily though the president's still in charge. I don't, I, honestly, off the top of my head, I don't know the name of the, the government and, and how it functions. You could probably Google it faster than, than, than you know, I'm not really sure though. Um, but, but the government itself is very welcoming to missionaries. There's not one state religion. So if you go into other countries like uh, some North African countries, then Islam would be uh, the, the state religion. And so because of that, any other religions are, you know, turned, turned away or at least illegal to proselytize. But that's not the case in the Ivory Coast. And so it's very welcoming, very open. And uh, the missionaries have paperwork filed with the government through BIMI that we really can, can enter as we please and we can uh, minister as we please. So whether we want to start churches or orphanages or Christian schools or radio stations, as far as my, my understanding is, we, BIMI has permission to do all those things. And so I'm very thankful for that. It's just been... A great setup to be able to, to to launch some new ministries there. So another hand, yes, sir. <coughs> yes, sir. Right, I think it is to some degree. I obviously have not lived there long term yet, and so I'm not completely familiar with that. But my understanding is that every election, there's still the the likelihood, or not the likelihood, but the possibility of another coup arising. So their elections are every five years. 2020 was their last election. And there was definitely some heated moments, but it went relatively peaceful in comparison to former coups or civil wars they've had. So I, I think my answer there is that it, I think the possibility is still there where these groups are still around. And uh, we're just praying that every election they're able to have a peaceful transition of power. Uh, so Because not just for the, the people's sake, but just for the ministry itself so that it can continue smoothly. Uh, but I, I think it definitely is still, it's still a possibility. And so there's definitely a continual prayer request for us. Yes. Yes. And I do remember the missionary mentioning that too, that he was saying that in his church, 
there are ethnic groups that, that used to be at war with each other, so that would be even a different reason for war, not a government reason, but the, the ethnic reason. And he said now these you know, ethnic groups are members of the same local church, and it's incredible to watch that. I think he said there were 10 or 12 ethnic groups represented in his church, and there's, there's 72 in the country as a whole. And so it's just incredible for him to watch that, you know, these people that used to be at odds with each other, and, uh, and, and now they're all together. Yes, sir. Right. Well, I know the cliche answer is soul winning, you know, discipleship, those kinds of things. But it's true. So we want to make sure we're in the village as much as we possibly can, uh, just getting to know the people. So the way the, the, the villages work is that the, the chief very much has a say in what takes place in that village and uh, the nobility, the other leadership of the village. So we want to make sure we maintain good relationships with them, not to compromise the gospel, but to be able to still have access to the village. One um, interesting facet of our ministry, and I haven't touched on this, the video did barely, and, and that's about the medical ministry. We're going to be able to partner with another missionary there who has uh, medical ministry going on, and it's through that medical ministry that there really is access at all to the villages. Uh, so they, their hearts were softened through that in the past, and that's why they've allowed uh, people to come in. So part of our daily tasks is going to be even organizing more medical teams to go into some of these villages that have yet to be opened. So I said there's 12 in that group. Uh, I don't think that more than three or four opened up to the gospel yet. I think the other ones have yet to have a medical team come in and and try to soften the the, the chief's heart and show him that we care and uh, share the compassion of Christ. So all that being said, we're going to be trying to organize those teams and try to open up some of the other villages. But then the ones where we're already ministering, uh, we'll try to just do soul winning on a weekly basis and make sure that we're, that we're in there, getting to know the people. And uh, obviously the believers that are there, we want to make sure that they're disciple and growing and then having weekly Bible studies and things like that. So just typical church plant type things, um, but it's going to be just different in the context of a village, uh, you know, instead of a regular town or city. So, yeah, good question. Yes, sir. Sure, that'd be great. Yes, yeah, so really, it goes all the way back to when we were little children. Obviously, uh, we were both reared in Christian homes, but that did not dictate that we would be Christians. And so we both had to receive uh, Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, and we did that when we were little children. I'm very thankful for that, just repenting of our sin and believing in Christ alone for salvation. Uh, and then shortly after that, we were both baptized in our local churches. And then shortly after that, well, we both made the decision to surrender our lives to the Lord. Now, Katie and I didn't grow up anywhere near each other, but it's just kind of neat to watch how our testimonies literally mirror each other. She grew up in Iowa, and I grew up in South Carolina. We were 800 miles from each other, um, but our, our testimonies are very similar. So when we were both very uh, young still, we both surrendered our lives to the Lord. And so I did that at Christian, at Christian uh, summer camp and just told the Lord, I'll, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll go wherever you want me to go. just didn't know where that would be yet. And then Katie did something similar. When a missionary came through her church, she made that decision to surrender her life to the Lord. And then uh, I had an interest in missions that began to develop really partially from reading missionary biographies. Men like Jim Elliott and uh, William Carey or David Livingston, just kind of some of those classic people for the last couple of hundred years. And so as I read those biographies, that uh, desire for missions began to grow in my heart. And then I uh, took a couple of missions trips in high school with my local church, one to Nicaragua and one to India. And on those two trips, God just began to fuel that flame even more uh, for missions. Uh, But really up to this point, it had just been a a desire to be a missionary. And I think that's really kind of where calling begins. 1 Timothy 3 says, if any man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. But there was no true calling in my life yet. It was just a, a desire a wish to be a missionary, uh, but I did have that uh, that interest, and so I went to a camp called Camp Bimi, Camp B I M I. So our missions agency is B I M I, and every summer they offer a camp uh, just for anyone that's interested in missions. And so I went to that camp one summer, and God did two different things in my life. First of all, He confirmed a call to missions, and it went beyond just a desire. And I mentioned that on the video a little bit about a passage of scripture that God used to confirm that, that call to missions that week. 
And then the second thing that God did that week is he gave me a desire for Africa. And not really for any specific reason, but I remember just uh, one night the missionaries talking about the continent of Africa as a whole and the needs there. And uh, just really had an interest in that. And so I I didn't know where that would lead, and I kind of put it out of my mind, didn't think much about it. Uh, But I did know one thing, and that was that God had called me to missions that week. And so because of that, I enrolled at Ambassador Baptist College and majored in missions. And uh, as a missions major at Ambassador, we were required to complete an internship with a missionary. And that's where God connected me with the Ivory Coast, that I... I called the IMI and I said, hey, I I need to do an internship and I'm interested in Africa. So can you give me a recommendation of some missionary in Africa to intern with for two months? And they gave me the name of two different missionaries and one of them was Bob Mack in the Ivory Coast. And I had heard of him before and so I contacted him and God worked out all the details to go to the Ivory Coast to complete an internship. And I was there for two months in 2017. And during those two months is when God exposed me to these villages and showed me the the need to go back there as a church planting missionary myself. And then I took Katie there after we were married and we took a survey trip there together. We wanted to make sure that's exactly what God wanted us to do as a couple. And and God showed us that was the case during that survey trip. And so after that, we uh, served at our local church for a little bit on staff there at our sending church. And then launched out into deputation from there. And then we ended up at your church. And so that's kind of a, a, a story from salvation all the way to tonight. But um, anyway, I know that's really quick and there's a whole lot of more details we could throw in there. But that's kind of the synopsis of the story of, of God leading. That's why I say it's just kind of neat to see how God leads one step at a time. That when I was a little boy surrendering my life to the Lord, I would have no idea where that would be. Uh, but God showed me and just said, just keep following one step at a time and I'll show you where that is. Yes, sir, she is. Yeah, sometimes uh, I've had her share her testimony, and it's just neat to see how God was working on her heart independently and using Scripture at the same time to, to confirm that, too. So it's, it's definitely been neat to watch out how God has done that and, and brought us all along, or brought us both along at the same time. Yes, sir. Any other questions? Yes, sir. So my parents, uh, uh, I'm the youngest of seven children, and there's three other siblings in my family that are, are missionaries. And uh, we're all going to be on, ended up on, <coughs> on different continents. We're going to er, uh, end up learning different languages, so that's going to be fun for family reunions. We'll have, I think, five languages represented there. But uh, my, my parents are certainly on board, and, and uh, they, they said all along they wanted to inspire us to think bigger, and, uh, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, but then for, for Katie's family, Katie's the oldest in her family, and uh, her parents are very much on, on board with, with her going to the mission field as well, uh, except that this is the first child in the, in the family, and so these are the first grandchildren, and uh, that's going to be a little bit more of a sad day, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they don't want her to go. They want her to go. It just means that uh, it's going to be a little more of a, of a sad day, and they don't want her to go in the sense of trying to get rid of her. Though they, they, they want her to stay. They just want her to follow God's will. Yes, sir. Yeah, great questions. It, it, it could talk about anything. It could be about us or about missions in particular. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's a great question. We will. Uh, and so the, I'll talk a little bit about the language school. The language school there is really ideal. We were looking for one that's a missionary language school. And that, that means that, you know, one that we're going to be learning Bible vocabulary. Uh, so we're going to be able to not just learn vocabulary that we learn at a secular university, but, but Bible vocabulary that we'll need as a missionary. And so it's designed for missionaries. And because of that, they have a daycare there on site uh, where our children can, can enroll in the daycare for the, the morning while we're in classes and then the, the, the afternoon while we're getting either a tutor or doing homework or things like that, then we'll be able to have them uh, with us and take turns. So that, that's really going to work out well so that we can both learn the French language uh, otherwise, that would be difficult. I've heard of many missionaries who have not been able to do that, and uh, the wife just has a difficult time, you know, just trying to immerse herself in the, in the culture and not knowing how to speak the language. So I would hate to do that to my wife and, 
definitely been counseled by many, many people to make sure she learns the language. So we'll do that. In fact, in the next few months, we're intend, intending to start uh, just a simple online French program to try to see as much as we can, uh, learn as much as we can prior to even starting that language school program. But the primary goal of going there is so that we can be immersed. Uh, so obviously it's, it's French-speaking Quebec, and uh, we will have full immersion and be able to attend a French-speaking church as well so that we can hear French preaching. And that's going to be healthy for me so that I can learn how to you know, be able to, to do that. I've never, never done that before. So every time I've preached in the Ivory Coast, it's just been through an interpreter. But we won't be doing that once we get there. Yeah. Yes, sir. Any, any other questions? Yes, sir. <clears throat> yeah, that's a great question. A little bit of both, really. And so the, the medical missionary there has started a ministry that she calls Access. And that just means access uh, into these villages and uh, access for these villages to get the gospel, really. And so it's just an exciting ministry because they have found that's the, the key way to gain access to some of these villages that were previously closed. But the chief is like, oh, yeah, bring in the free medical care. We'll, we'll take it. And then through that, they do one-on-one soul winning and open-air preaching and everything. And, and it's very much a gospel focus. It's not just, a, you know, we're giving you free medical care. So it, they do a, a good job of making sure the gospel is, is the focus of the whole week. So... She's there, and there's a, an Ivorian doctor who's a believer, and he's there, and under his paperwork is really how it's all done legally uh, in, the, in, the, in the country. But they can't do it by themselves, and so they bring in medical teams to the, to the, to the Ivory Coast twice a year, and uh, through those medical teams, they're able to, to reach out into these villages. So she has a, a website, I think it's called accessivorycoast.org. And uh, on there, she'll list upcoming trips, like she has two trips coming up this year, uh, where she's just trying to recruit people to come and uh, be able to help on those, on those uh, trips. Usually, they're going into new villages where they've never had a church plant before, but then sometimes they're going into a village that just had a new church plant, and they're trying to show them, we still care about you. You know, we, we didn't just come in to give you the gospel, but we genuinely care about you, and so they're kind of maintaining the relationship there. Uh, but anyway, so she is definitely recruiting from the states constantly, trying to find anybody, whether an EMT or a doctor, or nurse practitioner, nurses, anything. And so uh, are, you a, are you, you a medical professional? Okay, well, that'd be great. So feel free to uh, go to her website, accessivorycoast.org, or you can just email me. And I think her 2022 teams are up on the website. But, you know, once she's planning for the next year, then that'd be great. We'd rather have you come once we're actually there. That'd be, that'd be really good. So. Yeah, very good. And then if, if you know of anyone else, then feel free to pass the word along. So. <laughs> Any other questions? All right. Well, like I said, feel free to email me or text me. We'd love to be able to answer any questions you have uh, about our ministry or family or, uh, or about missions at all. So we, we, we want to help in any way that we can. And uh, feel free to stop by and talk to us at the table as well afterwards. Are you ready for me to preach? Okay. 6.54, the goal is to be done at 7.09, all right? So we're trying to shoot for 15 minutes here. So at 7.09, if I'm not done, then you can just go get some barbecue, okay? And so that, that's obviously the next thing on the docket, and I recognize that. And so I'll try not to be long at all here. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. <clears throat> I mentioned on the video that God used this passage of scripture to confirm my call to missions. And I told Pastor, I typically like to preach through this whole text because there's a, a lot of, of, of good things here that we can look at and glean from. Uh, but we're just going to look at one verse tonight, and that's verse 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we Faint not. Let's read it one more time, just because our text was so short, okay? Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. The last phrase of the verse will be the title of the message, We 
faint not. We faint not. As you read through the New Testament, you see several passages that are similar to this passage that, that give us different reasons or, or uh, encouragements as to why we don't have to faint spiritually. Sometimes the passage will say something like, don't be weary in well-doing. Or it will talk about turning our attention to Christ so that we don't grow faint and weary in our minds. Maybe it will talk about looking at the end goal so that we don't grow weary. But there's numerous times throughout the New Testament that we see this admonition. That we don't have to faint. Now, it's, it's not talking about physical fainting. I think we all know what that would be. Uh, I think that's happened to me twice where I've gotten really close at least. One time at a wedding, I locked my knees and cut the circulation off, and I almost almost fainted and passed out on the platform. And then another time, I, I won't describe all the details, but another time I, I injured myself, and uh, just the sight of, of blood there, I think, just didn't really go off too well. And so I almost passed out there, too. But that's not what this is talking about. You know, we could all share stories of physical fainting. We understand what that is. Our, our physical strength is depleted. And we don't have enough sustainment to keep going physically. That's not what this passage is talking about. It's talking about how we don't have to faint spiritually. How we don't have to lack the strength to be able to accomplish the task at hand. And so really what this passage is saying and other New Testament references that are similar is that we don't have to face a a spiritual burnout or or weariness. Now, even sometimes our, our physical complications can combine with a spiritual fainting. And what I mean by that is discouragement or depression that we might be going through. It could compound so that we do faint spiritually. But what I love about this verse is that it gives us the formula of how we can avoid spiritual fainting. And how we can say with Paul in this text, we faint not. Sometimes it's difficult and sometimes we're getting so low on physical strength or spiritual strength rather that we want to faint and we're about to faint But this text shows us the formula of how we can avoid spiritual fainting and how instead we can thrive. You know, even tomorrow night, many of you are going to be watching a football game. You know, and if if the results don't go the way you want them to go, you can still have strength, right? And you can still have confidence that Jesus still reigns. Now, I do want you to know, that I'll be cheering with you tomorrow night. And so just want to go ahead and let you know about that. But I, I do hope that, that the Georgia Bulldogs win. Uh, but I, I'm excited about that. But, you know, whether it's, whether it's a physical event that, you know, something that's depleted our strength and we're at a loss, or, or whether it's something spiritual that, that we're going through, I think it's just so neat that this text right here gives us the formula. It says, therefore, seeing we have this ministry, and the key phrase is right here, as we have received mercy... We faint not. I first want us to look at this. The ministry of manifesting Christ. The ministry of manifesting Christ. There's a key word at the beginning of the verse. It's the word therefore. (laughs) So that is implying something significant in the context. And that would be chapter 3. Chapter 3 is the context. Well, as you read through chapter 3, you see a story about a man named Moses. We know about Moses And how Moses went up to Mount Sinai and he was receiving the Ten Commandments from the Lord. And when he was receiving the Ten Commandments from the Lord, he he saw part of the glory of God. And so Moses' face began to shine. And then he came back down off the mountain and the people could not look at Moses because his face was shining so brightly. And so he had to wear a veil over his face. Well, what was Moses doing? He was reflecting the glory of God. But he was reflecting it physically. And so really chapter 3 is setting the stage here for chapter 4. And it's saying that in the same way that Moses reflected the glory of God, we as New Testament believers ought to reflect the Lord Jesus Christ. And chapter 4 describes that and how we can take the glorious gospel that we've received and how we can shine it unto the people all around us. That is what this ministry is. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry. Well, in chapter 3, he's talking about it. In chapter 4, he's talking about it. It's the ministry of shining the light of Christ, of manifesting Jesus Christ, of reflecting Jesus Christ. So really, this is our job description. As New Testament believers, this is our task. It's the ministry of manifesting Christ. So with the, the Word of God and with the indwelling Spirit of God, 
it's our job to reflect the Son of God. Now, that's difficult because sometimes we begin to live in a way that reflects us and reflects our old nature and reflects the flesh within us. But that's where the Word of God is so key. That as we spend time in the Word of God, we get to see who Jesus is and how He would live in His daily life. And then through the power of the Spirit of God within us, we can make changes in our life. We can confess sin and we can begin to live in a way that manifests and reflects Christ more effectively. This is our job description. This is our ministry. In fact, verse 18 of chapter 3 describes that very well. But we all with open face... Beholding as in a glass, referring to the word of God, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory. And then get this phrase, even as by the spirit of the Lord. Well, right there in the context, we see that concept that as we spend time in the glass and in the word of God, in this mirror, I can see what I truly look like and I can see whether or not I match up to Jesus Christ. And then, by the Spirit of the Lord, I can begin to be changed. And I can take the Word of God and and confess the sin, all the areas of my life that don't reflect Jesus, so that I can begin to reflect Jesus and manifest Him. So this is our ministry. The ministry of manifesting Christ. Now, on the Ivory Coast, this is our goal. We're going to see... Spirit worshipers, animists, people who don't know Jesus Christ. And it's our goal to come in with the word of God and the love of God and reflect Jesus to them. But it's also our goal right here in Athens. I looked up some religious statistics about the, uh, the county right here where you live. You might be familiar with this, but just in case you're not, I just want to point it out about where you live. Right here in Athens. of the people who live in Athens do not claim any religion. 62% of the people who live here don't claim any religion. That means that two out of every three people you meet on the street or the gas station, the grocery store, are really prime contacts to be able to invite them to church and to be able to see them saved. That's incredible. Now, that means that that leaves 38% of the people who are religious. But of the people who live here in Athens, 7% of the people are Catholic. I'm sure you're familiar with that. As you go soul winning, you're probably engaging many, many Catholics. And we love Catholics. God loves Catholics. But what we know about Catholics is that many times they do not believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. In fact, they believe that they need to work their way to heaven. And so I've, I've engaged many contacts, and had, uh, many Catholics, and had wonderful conversations with them. And I've only met one who truly believed that Jesus was the only way to heaven. Everyone else believed they had to work their way to heaven and had to do certain things. You know why I point that out? First of all, we're going to face Catholics on the Ivory Coast. But then secondly, these are people who need Jesus Christ right here. These are people who who don't know Christ unless someone like you comes along and you can take the word of God and you can show them what Christ has done for you. It's called the ministry of manifesting Christ, taking the word of God, taking how God has worked in your life. And how you can just come alongside of them and you can share your testimony with them and you can reflect Jesus Christ to them and you can show them what Christ has done for you. What I want you to know is that you don't have to go to the Ivory Coast to hit a mission field. You're in a mission field. Athens is one. And so right where you live, every week as you go out and you minister to people, you have the opportunity to engage people, not just to invite them to church, but more important, to see if we can invite them to go to heaven by faith in Jesus Christ. So what I want us to recognize is this is our ministry. This is our job description. The ministry of manifesting Christ. Now you might say, that's hard. And it is. So how do we do this? Well, that's where the verse continues. It continues, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. So not only do I see the ministry of manifesting Christ, but I see the means of the mercy of God. The means of the mercy of God. The capability to be able to accomplish our ministry, it's through the mercy of God. Now you might say, that that doesn't quite make sense How does God's mercy enable me? 
Well, that's what I love about God's mercy, is the more I study it, the more I can't fathom it. It's incredible. God's mercy, the word mercy itself has the concept of compassion or pity. Jesus himself said in Matthew eleven, twenty-eight through 30, Come unto me, all you that are, are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then he described himself. He said, I am meek and lowly in heart. He's saying, I'm gentle. I am lowly. And just to think about the gentleness of Christ and the compassion of Christ, the pity of Christ for those of us who are sinners and sufferers, wow, what a blessing to think about who Christ is. And the more that I meditate on the truths of Christ, that begins to sustain me. That begins to enable me to accomplish what he's called me to do. So, for instance, in Lamentations chapter 3, when the prophet Jeremiah was, was growing weary and discouraged, do you remember he said, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. And so Jeremiah was weary. He was about to faint spiritually. And what did he do? He drew strength from the mercy of God, from the faithfulness of God. And he said, every morning when I wake up, God's mercy and God's faithfulness are right there waiting for me. And it's the same for us. That's what this verse is saying. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as daunting as it is to reach the world and to reach Athens, as we have received mercy, we faint not. The only way to accomplish the ministry and the task that God has given us is to draw strength from the mercy of God. Yes, we experience His mercy at salvation, but it's much more than that. It's available every single morning as believers. As we dive into God's Word and we we dive into deeper fellowship with Jesus Christ, we can begin to understand more and more and more of His mercy. And so what I want us to do is just point our attention to Christ. He has the mercy to enable us, to sustain us. So what happens when we faint? Our strength is depleted. But if we are constantly basking in who Christ is and and drawing strength from that, then we won't faint. We will not because we have the, the mercy of God right at our disposal from which we can draw strength. You know, what I, what I love about the mercy of God is that it is the perfect tool for what we need. What's interesting is many times we face circumstances in life and we're trying to use the wrong tool. We do that all the time, right? The other day I was trying to take a light switch cover off the wall and I couldn't find a screwdriver, so I used scissors. And I just was using that and it took forever. And in fact, I couldn't really get the screws off right. It just kept stripping them out. It was, it was so annoying. But what was wrong is that I had the wrong tool. It wasn't that the screws were messed up. It was that I had the wrong tool. And we do that all the time. We, we try to manipulate the circumstance to fit the tool that I'm trying to use. But what I love about God's ministry is that he says, here's the task and here's the tools. And they fit perfectly. And God says, this task is daunting, is it? Right? So reflecting Jesus Christ is not an easy task. But he said, I've given you the tool to be able to do that. And God says, I know you're going to grow weary. I know it's difficult. And that's why the mercy of God is at your disposal every single day. Not only do we have God's mercy, but we have God's word. We have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And with these tools, we have all that we need to be able to accomplish the ministry that God wants to accomplish. So what I want to challenge us to do is that as we face a brand new year, we're just two Sundays in. As we face a brand new year, we have a lot ahead of us, a lot of opportunities ahead of us. It's really exciting. And I'm excited for our sending church. I'm excited for our ministry. I'm excited for you guys. But the only way that we're going to make it through this year without fainting spiritually is if we draw strength from God. At the end of the year, we can say we faint not. Why? It's not because we're special. No, we're humans we fail, we, we, we suffer, we sin. But God has all of the mercy at our disposal from which we can draw strength, not just so we can make it through the year, 
but so that we can thrive and do what God has called us to do this year. So I'm excited for you. And I'm excited for each of us as we stay faithful to the Word of God. We can accomplish what God has for us and draw strength from Him. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here this evening. I want to thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your mercy. Please help us to draw strength from you every day. And Lord, I pray that we'd be able to see many things accomplished this year. Souls saved, discipled, this church grown. Lord, Lord, we want to see these things and we know that we will give you the glory because it's not us doing it. It's obviously you. And so we just ask that you would work in a special way here. In Jesus' name, amen.